Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your mom, your little brother, or your iguana. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump, or email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. We'd love to hear from you, and we would love it if you followed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. When you follow and like our podcast, more people can find us. So I have a fun top of the podcast question for you, Liz. I'm ready. What is your favorite road trip snack? You're stopping at the gas station to get something to eat for a long car ride. What do you choose? Can it? Is there a limit? Like you can only choose two things or? I, I don't, I don't okay, think there's no, a limit. There's okay. no rules to this question. <laughs> so like 10 year old me would say, I'm going to look for a ruby red squirt because they don't have that everywhere. So if you find it, it's kind of exciting. So I definitely look for that. And then I would look for like a, Something sour gummy, sour patch kids or worms or something that takes a long time to chew and maybe kind of get stuck in your teeth yeah. <laughs> so you can enjoy it later. <laughs> Those would probably be my two favorites. How about you? Do you have something uh, that's your go-to? Yeah, my go-to as is... As a kid, okay. not as, as grown-up, Jill. I mean, you know what? Uh, my parents never let us get snacks at the gas stations with the kid. So I think that I am... Uh, reliving Are you making this. up for it now? Yeah. <laughs> Every single time we stop at the gas station, I'm like, I got to go get a snack. Yeah. yeah. So what do you look for? <laughs> so I usually uh, like to get Snickers bars. Oh, I okay. Love a like a full bar. size. Um, yeah. If you okay. get the king size, yeah. there's like two. There's two. Yeah. yeah. So I usually get that one and then okay. share it with someone else in the car. Sure, sure. Maybe. Or maybe. eat them both. Yeah. Yeah, Depends we'll on how long we'll the car ride Yeah, is. that's true. That's true. And um, I do also like those um, Starbucks cold coffees. Oh, like a cold brew? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, right. like the, not the cold oh, brew. No. Like the really sugary oh. ones. <laughs> That's I normally do not drink sugary drinks, but when I am on a long car ride, yeah, it's I, like a I think it's a frappuccino. Okay, but in a you right. just buy it right from the gas station. Sure, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So you know, when you're listening at home, think about what you would go pick out at the gas station. It's kind of like an exciting treat that you wouldn't normally eat or drink. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, that's, I feel like I learned a little bit about you today, Joe. <laughs> like how I had such a deprived childhood. <laughs> No, we bought snacks ahead of time, and my mom would always bring Twizzlers. Oh, uh, sure. I don't like Twizzlers, no. but that is what she That's liked. why she brought them. Yeah. <laughs> that probably is. I think it's her favorite she snack. she liked Twizzlers. Yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> Good for her. Oh, man. So we have some questions from our listeners today, and I think you have our first question, Liz. I, I do, Jill. This question is from Berlin. She's nine years old, and she's from Ada, and she asked, how are ants so strong? They're really, really strong. I mean, you hear that they're strong, but why are they so strong? So I did some research, but remember maybe people who have listened to our podcast before when I talked about spiders um, a few episodes past, and I ended up looking at a lot of pictures of spiders, and it kind of made me... You're creeped out. 
It made me feel a little creepy. And um, it turns out that pictures of ants close up or videos of them kind of crawling around also make me a little uncomfortable. So I found out they're really kind of scary looking close up in my opinion. Like their faces are scary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, They've got big jaws in the front and they've got antenna and it, okay. So that, I learned that about myself. Good to know. That's, (laughs) that sounds a little creepy. So before I talk about why they're strong, I'm going to talk a little bit about what they look like. So ants have bodies with three parts. They have six legs and they have two elbowed antenna. So they have kind of like a little crook in their antenna, which is unique to ants. Not all insects have that. Ants live in colonies and they work together to support the colony always. That's always their goal. So there's an estimated 22,000 species of ants and they live in almost every part of the world except for one continent, Antarctica? Antarctica is the only place without indigenous ants. And they've been around for a long time. The oldest ant fossil um, was found to be nearly 100 million years old. Wow. They've been around. So it is true that ants are super strong. A common American field ant can lift 350 times its weight with its head. So that's like a child lifting two African elephants. With their head. Ants are so strong, partly because their bodies are so light relative to their size. So they have a hard exoskeleton, but there's not a lot inside their their exoskeleton. So their bodies themselves, there's not a lot of structure. So they can apply all of their might to lifting heavy things. Humans can't do that because we have a lot of body inside of us that we have to support and use our energy to keep going. We humans can only lift so much because our body's busy doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and ants don't have that problem. Um, engineers at Ohio State University have researched the structure of ants in the hopes of recreating it. Oh. They're trying to figure out how to make a robot to use here on Earth or even in space that could withstand the same kind of weight but taking up such a small amount of space. Like Which, the Ant-Man movies? Like, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> um, not quite, but they studied a species called the Allegheny mound ant, which is common in the eastern United States, and they studied the way their neck meets their head to see how the joints could withstand so much weight. Because when you think about it, that's a pretty important joint in our own body. Yeah. And they found there's a gradual transition between the parts of their neck that make it really strong but really flexible, too. They can use this knowledge to apply it to engineer robots to mimic that. It, it's fascinating. Yeah, it really that is. that is really fascinating. So another really cool feature in ants are their jaws. So they have jaws out front, and they use it, their jaws to push up off of the ground and jump. Oh, did you know that? <laughs> I, d- I didn't. I hardly know anything about. I ants. know it's this fascinating is all new to me. If a person had the same strength relative to their size, they could jump over a four-story house. Oh, and wow. ants are super fast. If a person could move at the same speed, they could run faster than a racehorse. Oh, they are super strong. They're super fast. And here is a fun fact 
that I learned. Did you know that ants can form a living raft in order to survive a flood? I watched an incredible video about um, their legs have these little teeny tiny hairs on them that can trap air underneath and keep them afloat. So they evacuate a colony, and then they hook their legs together, and then they can live for several weeks just floating together. And some ants go underneath to clean underneath the raft, and they get food, and it's fascinating. Uh, So there's... oh I. I mentioned there's a video that I will post of fire ants evacuating a colony. And then they make a bridge. They start to crawl over one another and make a bridge to land so that everybody can get off. So they're always working together to keep their colony alive. Wow. It was incredible. Another fact that I found in studying ants is there are several species of ants specifically studied in Borneo that explode as a form of colony defense. Oh. So (laughs) exploding ants, there's a toxin in its abdomen that when they release it, it can kill whatever is trying to get into the colony, or they can slow it down enough so that other ants can come and help. It kills the ant, but it could ward off an attack on their colony, and it's always the colony first. That's all that is important to the ant. So... They can explode if they need to, this wow. species. That's really <laughs> So they're very crazy. strong, they're resourceful, and they're a little creepy to look at up close, um, <laughs> just so you know. But I hope you learned some fun ant facts today. I learned so many ant facts It was today. incredible. It really yeah. was. <laughs> I, that is fascinating. So that was a lot about ants. Jill, do you have a fact of the day? I do. And my fact of the day book today is from a a book from the new nonfiction section, my favorite place to go look for fact of the book days. And it is called The Mind-Blowing World of Extraordinary Competitions. Meet the incredible people who will compete at anything. And on this cover, we've got a giant mustache (laughs) and a a huge huge vegetable. It looks like a watermelon, watermelon. but it says vegetable on it. I think it might be a zucchini. Hard to say. Lumberjack contest, camel beauty pageants. (laughs) You know, there's all different kinds of very strange competitions. But I have a fact about one particular one, and it is about toe wrestling. No. Yes. (laughs) And here is uh, a little snippet about toe wrestling. Toe wrestlers sit opposite each other and interlock their big toes. <laughs> each contestant then tries to force the other's foot off a platform using only the strength of their feet and ankles. Wow. Well, you know, you think about it. I've seen like people who can write with their feet yeah. or paint. Um, so Put your why, contacts in. Why couldn't you wrestle with your toes as well? That makes that makes sense in my head, Jill. Yeah, it sounds. <laughs> Interesting. I would like to see toe wrestling. I'm sure you could Google it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it says it started in, in the United Kingdom. So I don't know if there's toe wrestling oh. here in the United oh, States. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm ever there, oh. I'll have to go see some toe wrestling. <laughs> 
That sounds amazing. <laughs> but I have a question for us today, too. Oh, a question wait. from a listener. And it is a question from Isabella from Wyoming. And Isabella asks, what family of animals is the red panda most closely related to? Okay. Liz, have you ever seen a red panda? Have I? I have. They are the cutest. They're so cute. Um, the red pandas at the John Ball Zoo are my favorite. Well, okay. The tigers are my favorite. And the red pandas are my second oh, favorite. I love them yeah. so much. I-, I promise I didn't write this question. But <laughs> Isabella is definitely a gal after my own heart. If you've never seen a red panda, you need to pause this podcast right now. <laughs> Ask your mom to do an image search. Okay, we'll just wait here while you do that. <laughs> and they put their paws on. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. They are just the cutest animals there. Look like like a raccoon kind of with a tail and they're so fuzzy or like a little bear. Oh, I have some really fun names for them at the end that people have called them over the over the years and that will help you picture them a little more. Okay, before we talk about the family of animals that the red panda is most closely closely related to, we have to talk about what is meant by family of animals. So scientists place living things in different categories based on their shared feature. Family is one of the categories that scientists place animals into. The scientist, the scientific name of an animal or a plant is based on two categories that scientists place living things in. The category of family and the category of genus. I'm going to give you an example. A coyote and a wolf, they're both in the same family. So the scientific word for their family is canis. The category just under family is genus. Wolves and coyotes have different genus names because they're different animals. So a wolf is Canis lupus and a coyote is Canis latrans. So Liz, I was going to quiz you about scientific names of animals and have you guess what they were, but there were two things. One, they were too hard. (laughs) If you know Latin, maybe, but I I don't. Yeah. And they were too hard for me to say. Sure. So combination, I was like, oh, we're not going to, we're not going to do that quiz. But that's how we name animals is the family and genus. So what family are red pandas? Well, first, they're not in a family with giant pandas. You would think they're both called panda, but no. The word panda is believed to come from a Nepali word that means bamboo eaters. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, red pandas and giant pandas, they both eat bamboo, so they're stuck with the same name even though they are not in the same family. Okay. They're both cute, though. They are. I think that our listeners must know when they're sending in questions that even stump scientists because they found another question that does that. I find that quite often too. (laughs) Yeah. We have really smart listeners. That's what it is. So red pandas don't seem to have any close genetic family. Yeah. Um, In fact, they have their very own family group name that doesn't have any other animals in it. (laughs) And that's pretty rare. Um, I tried to find a complete list of animals like that. I, I couldn't find a complete list, but I did find a, a list with a, several examples in it. And one of the examples I found was a platypus is like that. <laughs> they are the only animal in their family. Um, so stay tuned for our future episode because I do have a question from a listener about that strange <laughs> animal. Um, a couple other animals that were on that example list are humans mm-hmm. and uh, beluga whales are on there. 
Um, so those are just a few other animals that are their own family. <laughs> In a most recent study of genetics of red pandas, it found that they're most closely related to raccoons, even though they have different family categories. They're the only ones, red pandas, the only animal in their category. Hmm. They're so unique. They are unique and adorable. Now it's time to just bomb you with some red panda facts. Go for it. Because I love them. I know. I'm ready for it. (laughs) All of these facts are from our amazing Encyclopedia Britannica article, and it also includes cute pictures and even a couple videos. And they're super cute. Uh, Red pandas are also known as firefox. You You know, they're red and they have a bushy tail. Or, this is my favorite one, red cat bear. (laughs) So cute. It's a great combination. It is. (laughs) Um, They live high in the mountains of China and Nepal. They're about the size of a house cat, a big house cat, but they have a big fluffy red tail. That does look an awful lot like a raccoon's tail. They're nocturnal, which we talked about in a previous episode. means they're mostly active at night. They eat bamboo, berries, insects, eggs. Um, and they're also endangered. And their biggest habitat, uh, their biggest threat is habitat loss. Uh, I did link an article here to the uh, National Zoo because the National Zoo has been really involved in the conservation of red pandas all the way since 1962. Oh. And there's been over 100 red panda cubs born there since then. They're so cute. And our own zoo is also involved in the conservation of red pandas. And just this past July, there were two baby red pandas. I've seen some video. (laughs) Me too. I watched video, more video of them while I was preparing for this question. They're so (laughs) stinking cute. So they're really neat animals and they're also really unique. So they don't really have a closest family member. They're in their own family. Hmm. How about that? I know. It's really interesting. interesting. So do you have for us today a book you're reading? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't, it's not a chapter book. It's usually, I'm a fiction reader. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, when we do our, when we're preparing for our podcast, I, we always need to find a fact of the day. So I usually just kind of comb through the nonfiction and try to find an interesting looking book. And I found an, an interesting nonfiction book called How Old is a Whale? And it's by Lily Murray and it's illustrated by Jesse Hodgson. So first of all, the illustrations are beautiful. I usually prefer photographs in animal books. I just like to look at actual pictures. Yeah. But these illustrations are phenomenal. They appear pencil drawn, so you can see the lines and the shading and all of the different animal um, illustrations, and I really admire the artwork. And the pages are really big, so there's a lot to look at for each animal. And also, the facts. This book has more reading in it than just the fast facts of, like, a National Geographic kids that just have little short snippets. These have Mm. um, quite a bit of information in it. Um, Each animal has two pages And the book is in order from the shortest lifespan of the adult mayfly, which is an insect, which lives from five minutes to 24 hours. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. All the way to the end of the book, the immortal jellyfish, (laughs) which when threatened can transform itself back into a polyp, which is how they're 
that's how they begin their life oh <laughs> and begin its life cycle all over again it can of course be eaten or it could die of disease but this process can be repeated over and over again that would be like a frog turning back into a tadpole or a butterfly turning back into a caterpillar or could you imagine if you were in school and you were nervous about a test and suddenly you turned into a baby? Like, that's the immortal jellyfish. Yeah. I thought that was just incredible. That is. So I've discovered some really amazing nonfiction books when researching for this podcast. Um, smaller animals tend to have shorter lifespans because their hearts beat so fast. Mm. One animal in this book, the Etruscan shrew, with a lifespan of one to two years, its heart can beat up to 1,500 beats per minute. Oh. Grizzly bears have a lifespan of 20 to 30 years, and they spend a third to a half of their lives asleep. Yeah. When hibernating, their heart rate slows down below a quarter of its normal rate. Oh, wow. It's fascinating. If you So if you love to draw and are inspired by illustrations, or you want to know more about the bowhead whale found with a spear lodged in it dating back to the 1800s. They live at least two human lifetimes. Wow. Check out How Old is a Whale. I highly recommend it. Last time you recommended a book that had beautiful pictures, I think I ended up buying it. So I need to be careful with your recommendations. (laughs) I, I don't consider myself an artist. I don't feel like I'm talented in drawing, but I really, I'm fascinated by other people who can draw and make it look simple and I don't and I don't beautiful. know beautiful yeah, yeah. it mm-hmm. really just I find it fascinating so whenever there's beautiful illustrations I'm drawn to a book yeah me too that's a great great thing yeah all right oh we're, we're all the way down to what we learned today I know how did that how happen? did that happen what did what did you learn today Jill <laughs> okay I learned a lot of things uh but Ants that explode to protect their homes is the most shocking thing I learned, I think. Exploding ants. Yeah, exploding ants. Oh my gosh, I think we've got the title for our episode. I think so. (laughs) Um, I learned a lot about red pandas and that they're just kind of all by themselves in their family. Like, that's amazing. I had no idea. And I learned that from you today, Jill. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I guess that's it for today. Thanks for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world, too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune in to the next episode where we answer more of your questions. Huge and special thanks to the KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you. Thank you.